Pray together. Rap, do you want to take that down just a little bit? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night that we can reflect on what you have done for us. Your death on, this, on the cross uh, to give us abundant life. And, um, I just pray that you would saturate this place with your presence. Pray that you would uh, give me the words that you want me to say. Speak to our heart. We come further and further into your presence. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in the beginning of the service, I read from the book of Luke. That, that, that's because we're finishing up the series in Luke. Uh, I have decided actually tonight to preach from the Gospel of John. Uh, so with apologies to the po- Apostle Luke, uh, I'll be reading from John uh, towards the end of chapter 19. At this point in God, uh, John's Gospel, Jesus has died on the cross. The soldiers were abra- about to break his legs at the request the Jews to speed up his death. But when the soldier came to Jesus, he had noticed he was already dead. This was the moment when the soldier took a spear and pierced the side of Jesus, the moment when blood and water flowed from his body. So we pick up our reading of the Gospel of John 19 and verse 35. He who saw it has borne witness, his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled, not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body, Nicodemus, also who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. The word of the Lord. Now, imagine the Apostle John, who wrote this book, standing in front of all of us tonight, asking us one simple question. Why are you here? Our answer would be equally simple. We came to see Jesus. We will get a glimpse into his burial and why it's so important. In chapter 19, the Apostle John is saying to us, let me tell you what I saw with my own eyes when Jesus died and was buried. He's given witness to what he saw, and he says that this testimony is true. He's telling us the account of Jesus' death and burial so that we may believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Will you believe John's testimony tonight? John is very concerned throughout this whole verse, uh, throughout his whole uh, book, to tell us that everything that happened with Jesus' death and burial was happening to fulfill Scripture, uh, specifically the Old Testament. Everything in the Old Testament pointed to the life of Jesus, each detail coming to fruition in him. 
So, for example, not one of his legs was broken. This was a fulfillment of Exodus chapter 12 and Numbers 9, which both talk about the Israelites eating the Passover lamb during that celebration. It also fulfills Psalm 34, which says God protects all of his bones, not one of them will be broken. So think of it this way. The Old Testament was written in a secret code, a cipher, if you will, and Jesus is the key that unlocks the code. Once you know the code, every time you read the Old Testament, you will see Jesus. With every step that Jesus took on earth, he was unlocking this code for us, opening up the various dimensions of Scripture. So, for example, in John chapter 1, 29, John the Baptist says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is the Passover Lamb who must die, who must be completely consumed by our sins in order for us to be saved. That is the reason why none of his bones can be broken. Jesus must be the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And the Apostle John is testifying this to, this, to this reality. He's saying to us tonight, I was there. They were getting ready to break Jesus' legs. It was a horrible moment. But God the Father protected him. Not one bone was broken. Jesus remained that perfect Passover lamb. Believe in Jesus. The Apostle Paul goes on to testify that each part of Jesus' burial was in fulfillment of Scripture, each part unlocking the code, each part asking us if we will believe. Once we understand Scripture from this point of view, we quickly recognize that every single detail is packed with meaning. Verse 38. After the, these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was the uh, disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. Now we can read that and say to ourselves, this is awfully nice of Joseph of Arimathea to take Jesus' body and give him a proper burial. But when we compare this verse with, John, uh, with Matthew 27, 57, we recognize that so much more is happening. Let me read that verse. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was a disciple of Jesus. Matthew notes that Joseph was a rich man. And what's so significant about that? Well, to truly understand, we have to go back to the Old Testament, specifically Isaiah 53, which says, And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he ha had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Another key turn. Another door unlocked for us. The Apostle John, along with Matthew, is testifying to the same truth by pointing out that Jesus was crucified with wicked criminals and now buried in a rich man's tomb. Let me read a little bit more of Isaiah 53, a couple more verses, verses 10 and 11, to give us a fuller picture. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. 
when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offering. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. The Apostle John testifies tonight that the suffering servant Isaiah, who was crushed as an offering for our guilt, who out of anguish of soul bore our sin and made us righteous in the sight of God the Father, is the same servant who Joseph of Arimathea buried in the tomb. His name is Jesus. Believe in Jesus Christ. We will have the Apostle John unlock unlock one more code for us, and, and we'll use this as a way to turn our attention to the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Verse 41 and 42. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb, in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Notice that phrase, day of preparation. The day of preparation is discussed three times in the book of John, and they're all in this chapter, chapter 19. When the Bible writers start repeating themselves, especially in the same chapter, they're telling us to pay attention. They're telling us that something important is happening. The first time the day of preparation is used in this chapter is verse 14, which says, Now, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, Pilate said to the Jews, Behold, your king. The second time in verse 31 Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And then finally, that the third time it's used, the day of preparation is in the passage that I read for us tonight. The day of preparation seems to have a number of meanings in this chapter. I'll just mention two tonight. Number one, it's the day before the Sabbath, when the Jews did all their last-minute household preparations so that they would not have to work on the Sabbath. And number two, it was preparation, because this was Passover, it was preparation for the Passover when all the leaven or yeast was removed from the Jewish households. Remember that during the Exodus, the Israelites had to leave Egypt in such a hurry, they had no time to use yeast and allow their bread to rise. So they had to take unleavened bread, that that is, bread without yeast. The Apostle John seems to be using and repeating this day of preparation in this chapter as a way of unlocking the truth that Jesus is both our Passover rest and our Passover meal, our Sabbath rest and our Passover meal. He is both the Passover lamb and the unleavened bread. His life and death is the culmination of the whole Passover celebration. So tonight, as we reflect on Jesus' death and burial, we realize he died that we may have true rest for our souls. Our souls could only truly be at rest if someone dealt with our sin. We are like the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt, 
except we were once slaves to sin. Sin, a thousand little or big actions we choose in our lives that separate us from God and from each other. So Jesus had to be our Passover lamb. Remember at that first Passover when they sacrificed the lamb and put its blood on the doorpost so the angel of death would not descend upon the Israelite household. The apostle John is saying to us tonight, I saw Jesus with my own eyes sacrificed as that Passover lamb. Do you believe? Believe in Jesus Christ. Will you believe John's testimony tonight? If so, then you are welcome to come to the Lord's Supper, which is the Passover meal for the Christian church. Always like Good Friday, we do our our, um, Lord's Supper slightly differently. A little change of pace. If you are here tonight and you have never given yourself you've never given your heart, your life to Jesus Christ, then I would encourage you, don't come forward and participate in this meal. It's not a way of us punishing you. It's just a way of saying we would rather you do business with Jesus tonight. There's a reason why you're here. John is testifying to you tonight that Jesus is Lord. So instead of coming up, just simply stay in your own seat and invite him into your life. But if you are here and you've professed Christ as your Lord in this church or any other Bible-believing church, you are free to come, free to celebrate, no matter what the struggles you may be having in this particular day. Because Jesus is our Passover lamb, sacrifice that we may know true freedom, that we may have abundant life. The scriptures say on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread And after giving thanks, he broke and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me. Then in the same fashion, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. Like the Jews of old, this is our meal to remember everything that God has done for them. To remember specifically tonight what Jesus did for us on the cross, that death and burial. I once heard um, Walter Wongren, um, if you don't know him, a writer, Lutheran. Um, he said, you know, it's funny because we Protestants, we, we jump so quickly to the resurrection. He said, you know, it's interesting, Catholics don't do that. Catholics pause at the death and burial of Christ. I thought that was interesting. Um, Obviously, we're going to have a a tremendous resurrection celebration here on Sunday. But for tonight, it's the death and burial of Christ. It's the reason why the lights are low. It's our way of entering into that space that Jesus has created for us tonight. So I'm going to give you a moment just to do that just to quiet your hearts before the Lord, reflect on the testimony of John tonight, that he's testifying to this death and burial of Christ. So let's take a moment, and then in a few moments, I'll ask the elders who have already talked to to come up.
take the communion with the elders, and then I'll, um, I'll give some more direction. So let's quiet our hearts before.